Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Donna Watson Show. I'm your host, Donna Watson. I'm just an average American patriot who loves God, her family, her country. I try really hard to listen to God's voice. Sometimes I write stuff. Come with me. Together, let's explore this crazy experience we call life. Welcome to the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to podcast number nine. Who's your number one? I'm glad to have you along for the ride today. I started this podcast by sharing with you thoughts from my morning quiet times. It just so happens I was reading through the prophets. Today we're going to take a quick peek at the prophet Haggai. Let's start with a little background and then we'll see how this can apply to us today. About 55 or 56 years before Haggai was written, King Nebuchadnezzar came to Jerusalem for the third time. That would have been in 586 BC. And when he came the third time, he destroyed the walls, the temple, much of the city. Most of Jerusalem's citizens were then taken into Babylonian captivity, where they remained for about 70 years. Now, if we fast forward after his invasion of Jerusalem that third time, go back, go forward about 48 years, we find that the Persian king Cyrus defeats Babylon and he issues a decree in 538 BC that allowed exiled nations to return to their homelands. And the book of Ezra talks about the 43,000 Jewish pilgrims who returned to Jerusalem and began to rebuild the temple. That was before Haggai was written. But within just a couple of years, this work had stalled out because their Samaritan neighbors to the north mounted a campaign to frustrate their efforts. They didn't want to see this project happen. They even went so far as to hire lawyers to persuade the Persian authorities to stop supporting the work on the temple rebuild. Needless to say, this led to great discouragement among the Jewish people there in Jerusalem. They were frustrated, and they found their initial high hopes now unfulfilled. The city walls were still in disrepair, the temple remained unbuilt, and the people remained under Persian rule, and to boot, there was a famine in the land. The people were stuck. They couldn't move forward in their building projects without the approval of the regional governor, and that didn't look like a promising prospect. They didn't have a lot of support. So along comes Darius. He becomes king in 520 BC amidst some political unrest. And after that, Darius took care of the threats that faced him, and he made some reforms to the kingdom. And within two years, things began to settle down a little bit. It was around that time that God directed Haggai to encourage the leaders in Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And when the local governor heard about their activity, he wrote to Darius to see whether the project had been sanctioned by the king. The end result was that Darius approved the building project, and he even supported it through the royal treasury. How cool is that? When God sent 
Haggai, he told him to call the people to place God first. The prophet's challenge to this post-exilic community in Jerusalem was to focus not on their own creature comforts, but to honor God. And they would accomplish this by investing their time, their money, and their talents in finishing the rebuilding of the temple. That would prove what their priorities were. And as they honored God, he would take care of their needs. And that was the promise that God made to them. So Haggai gave his call, and chapter 1, verse 12 records their response. It reads, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, the high priest Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and the entire remnant of the people obeyed the Lord their God and the words of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him. So the people feared the Lord. Haggai encouraged the people by letting them know that God was with them. And the word says that the Lord roused the spirits of the leaders and the people, and they began the work on the house of God. They picked that project back up and started again. And as the building project progressed, one thing that the leaders had to deal with was a negative attitude among some of the people. They were grousing that the new temple would be greatly inferior to Solomon's gold-covered temple. So, Haggai chimes in with another word of encouragement for the people. I'd like to read to you verses 3 to 9. And he tells them, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Doesn't it seem to you like nothing by comparison? Even so, be strong, Zerubbabel. This is the Lord's declaration. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land. This is the Lord's declaration. Work, for I am with you. The declaration of the Lord's armies. This is the promise I made to you when you came out of Egypt and my spirit is present among you. Don't be afraid. For the Lord of armies says this, Once more, in a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations so that the treasures of all the nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of armies. The silver and gold belong to me. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. The final glory of this house will be greater than the first, says the Lord of armies. I will provide peace in this place. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. Apparently, this word was just what the people needed to hear. They kept at it. They kept building. They honored God. They placed him first and their efforts were blessed by the Lord. Within four years of King Darius approving the rebuilding campaign, the temple was complete. Okay, Donna, you might say, that's a lot of history. How does that apply to us today? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> As we review Haggai and his message to the people, 
we see once again a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ's words. Did you hear it? This reminds me of the words that are recorded in Matthew 6, 33, where Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. As I'm recording this podcast, we are smack dab between Palm Sunday and Easter. In this season of Lent, we have an opportunity to focus on Jesus and his sacrifice for us. And through his crucifixion and death, Jesus suffered for us so that we might be healed. A.W. Tozer wrote, and I found this in day 36 of my Lent devotional that I'm reading. He wrote, The believing Christian, the child of God, should have a holy longing and a desire for the pure heart and clean hands that are a delight to his Lord. It was for this that Jesus Christ allowed himself to be humiliated, maltreated, lacerated. He was bruised, wounded, and chastised so that the people of God could be a cleansed and spiritual people, in order that our minds might be pure and our thoughts pure. This provision all began in his suffering and ends in our cleansing. It began with his open, bleeding wounds and ends in peaceful hearts and calm and joyful demeanor in his people. That's a gift. Consider with me today the wonder of a sacrifice that great. A sacrifice that was made for me and for you. The thought just humbles me. It fills me with gratitude. When I look at Haggai's example and I see how he was able to remind the people of what their number one priority should be, I wonder, maybe we can do the same thing. Do you think that just maybe we can raise our voices together and remind each other to hold God first in our lives? How amazing would it be to see it catch on and to see our friends and neighbors respond and turn their attention toward God? How cool would it be to see the majority of America turn to God in repentance and to honor Him with their lives? Will you join me in spreading this word? Will you join me by encouraging each other to not give up? I hope you will. As you go through your day today, I pray that God's peace overshadows you. And I pray that you will find many ways to share about him with those around you. Until next time, have a good day. Love you guys. Bye.